Here we go. Oh my God, here we go. Let's rock. Hello, I'm Lauren Bouchard. This is the cast commentary of the Bob's Burgers movie. We are doing this. It is February. The movie comes out uh, on Memorial Day weekend. Uh, let me introduce the cast. John Benjamin is with us. He plays Bob. John Roberts is with us. He plays Linda. Hi. Dan Mintz is with us. He plays Tina. <laughs> Eugene Merman. He plays Gene. Ooh. Kristen Shaw. She plays Louise. Woo! And my co-writer, Nora Smith, is here. She wrote the movie with me. She co-runs the show with me. Uh, and we are so glad to be able to all get together. We don't have Larry Murphy, uh, our other, uh, our sixth Beatle and our other regular. Um, he, has, uh, he has COVID. Oh. And he's not feeling very well. Oh, good. I'm glad you said it. Yeah, I know. Somebody had to. <laughs> yeah. Well, this will be a time capsule. This will be a time capsule. There's, uh, there's a thing called COVID, everybody. If you're watching this in the future. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god I, I feel something coming on for the live shows uh oh yeah yeah it's been a while it's been a while yeah coming back soon we'll be together again and for this for the purposes of recording this we are not together except for dan and Kristen. you are close to each other physically yeah we're but we're partitioned by glass <laughs> as per contract <laughs> Dance contract. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so we're watching the movie. Some of us can see it and we can hear it playing in the background a little bit. Um, I was going to ask you guys questions about the movie to get us um, started and to uh, just to hear your thoughts and reflections on this thing. We are, uh, I have an easy one to start with. We are coming up on hopefully what will be a premiere date. Uh, what will you wear to the premiere? This is a John Roberts kickoff question because he is the king of fashion. What? Yeah. No. Uh, You're right. John, pick us out an outfit for all of us. Well, I think we got to go on some kind of costumes uh, related to the show. Neck braces, right? <laughs> neck braces. <laughs> I think we do neck braces at Comic-Con. We save it for Comic-Con and build the suspense. Yeah, that's true. Shouldn't, I shouldn't have said anything. The movie, I think we got to go in some kind of costume. Um, I'm going to go as Tootsie, <laughs> Dustin. Uh, I'm going to go as uh, Dustin Hoffman and Tootsie. <laughs> confusing so we're going as characters from other movies <laughs> i actually might go as whatever dustin hoffman wore to the premiere of tootsie <laughs> which yeah. i'm hoping is just like a beige jacket maybe some sort of suede and a jeans that's hot and i'm going i'm gonna dress that uh, i'm dressing as dustin hoffman from the premiere uh marathon man. good <laughs> the drama Somber, a little more, yeah, more serious. Excellent. Dan, you can have Rain Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and I could see Kristen as uh, Peter, the Peter Pan one, the Captain Hook. Captain. Well, I I bought a sequined outfit um, that I was gonna wear when I thought I was gonna be in a TV show that fell apart, and I still never wore it anywhere. Maybe I'll wear it for this. It's very shiny. Oh, I love sequins. Yeah, that sounds great. You're gonna wear it in the show? <laughs> yeah. Which show was that? It was the show that Simon Rich developed with oh, me. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I should get this because we're going to go to the TCA. <laughs> it didn't go. Well, he's he's always he's always doing shows. Yeah. So you'll get to word again for Simon Rich show. I think I was the one bad luck. When you, when you get invited to do weird things mm -hmm. that are cool, mm -hmm. <laughs> they're not going to go. They're not going to go. Except for Bob's. On our merry way. Hey, have yourselves a pleasant day. We'll come back here in cold winter. We'll hug and kiss and get to. Oh, Bobby, I like what I'm hearing. Diary is fine, but no sense fearing.
When you have that just unstopped optimistic spirit, it's gonna be the sunny side of summer of our lives. We're in the middle of the first song. Do you guys oh. uh, remember recording your, your doing your singing sessions? Is that a, a fond memory for for those of you who uh, sang? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, no, it was yes. Look, I love that Bob's creates the illusion that I can sing, <laughs> and Ken is still a stretch, <laughs> but you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> and you're a musical kid, like you love music as a character. I I love music as a character. It's what's amazing is not being able to sing, but having Gene like that they that through technology Gene can sing better than me because <laughs> he can sort of keep a a bit of a of a rhythm. It's really easy to sing if you can do one note at a time. You have to auto tune one syllable at a time. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, I think that's all of us. What's nice about you, all of you is that. Despite the fact that we do a little bit of, you know, pitch correction and editing, except you all me. have... Except for me. Except for Kristen, of course, <laughs> in her contract. It's always one take and that's it. <laughs> but all of you have done, have performed live, have yeah. sung in front of a live audience. You're, yeah. This is not a Millie Vanilli situation. You guys have all gone on stage and, and belted out Bob's Burgers songs. Yes, yeah. that's true. John Roberts, you can sing. You're you're a singer. Yeah, John Roberts can hit a note. He can actually sing. I can, well, me? You're an artist. You have music videos, John Roberts. Yeah, you have music videos. I can, I could, I could uh, carry a tune. Yeah, I got the music in me. Yeah. But yes, it's true. We've all gotten on stage to sing. This is my solo. Shush, shush. <laughs> oh. Well, how did you feel? How did you feel when you sang it? Oh, I, I got really emotional. Remember, I started crying in the booth because I got really deep into this nine-year-old's fear. And wow. I started, like, crying like a real, like I was like Rihanna when she cried on stage singing that song about breaking up or something. Yeah. I was Rihanna for a second. Wow. It was good. It was a good feeling. And then they were like, that didn't work. <laughs> we got to redo it. That was really not what we were going for. <laughs> I know. That's when Lauren said, don't cry through the song. You can't. That happens every time I record a song. I think I might be going through some hormonal changes, like honestly, with my old age, because I am more emotional than I've ever been in my life. It's cool. Right. Yeah, same. Uh, me too, sister. Me too. There's, there's some commercials I can't watch, I think. Yeah. We're getting soft. We're getting soft. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. That Imodium commercial. Yeah. Reverse mortgages, I just, it, it's just, the lack of planning makes me tear up. Can we talk about how good the dancing is with the animation? Yeah. yeah. So good. And we actually do the dancing and then they animate it to our dancing. Yeah. yeah. It was amazing. What people don't know is that we wore those suits with all the green little balls in a room to do all the acting. Yeah. For four months in, in a studio. For four months. Six feet apart. You know who actually did a lot of the dancing who's on this who's on this commentary with us is Nora. She wow. is uh, frequently asked to record herself dancing and then sends it to Bernard. Sometimes I volunteer. <laughs> I volunteer a lot. She does. It's true. <laughs> and can that be on the DVD as well? Oh, yeah. We should put some of yours on. Yeah, we should have the dancing outtakes to be like, oh, wow, this is how we, should. we do it. Get that shit on TikTok. David Wayne is going to be on. He's, he's given us permission. He also danced uh, for his character for the Grover song and it will be on the DVD. Yeah, it's funny. Nobody ever asked me to dance. <laughs> I think you might be too good at dancing. It's, it's like bad dancing. Oh, that's a good one, Nora. So, in my joke, <laughs> we're the only ones you didn't ask to dance. <laughs> You're too good. <laughs> You're too good. I am like Tony Monero. Who do you dance for, Nora? Who? What character? <laughs> I dance for everyone. <laughs> no. Yeah. Who knew? She's a secret dancer. <laughs> 
We had a we have I I think a, 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 our other secret weapon is Bernard because he loves he loves doing the dancing and is able to bring it to life in a way that I think you know you, no offense Bernard but looking at the guy you wouldn't say that he's you know gonna be like able to inhabit these characters' bodies so completely but he he really loves dance and completely gets the you know the idea of these big musical numbers and a little bit of silliness mixed with a little bit of actual you know uh, rhythm and and a sort of a I don't know a kind of a professionalism that is shocking he would have he could have worked in 1940s Hollywood I mean I've I've seen Bernard I've seen his body and I don't know why you're so shocked <laughs> He's a temple. Well, he's like a muscular Australian man, and I just picture him wrestling like uh, wild animals, I guess. <laughs> uh, but this movie was an opportunity to go into the dancing and go deeper, do more, indulge, record, you know, more of uh, Nora dancing and more of Bernard dancing and, and just try to really bring it and, and make sure we did the best that we could. It was really, really fun. I hope we get to do more just for that just to be able to do more of these numbers. It really feels like we, I don't know, the characters really look like themselves even when they're dancing better than they should be able to. So eventually there'll be a, we'll have to dance live. Oh, yep. that's a twist. Yep, we'll work with a choreographer, we'll, months of rehearsals. Yeah, I look forward to the lessons. I love it. Snap crotch leotards. I think, I think it's worth it. Worth it. Oh, we've come to the inciting incident. Ooh. Uh-oh, something bad's gonna happen. Nice shots. Yeah, you didn't see that coming. And yet it was all set up. It was hinted at that there was a crack in the sidewalk, and now we find out. What are they going to do? This was, We decided this would be a good... This is reminiscent of all the um, bad things that befall the family in the in the opening credits of the TV series. You know, you see the car crash into the telephone pole, et cetera, et cetera. And this was sort of like the ultimate of that. Worst case scenario. Yeah, worst case scenario. And then it gets worse. It gets even worser, which is, I, I believe is a, you know, a good writing technique. And now sinkholes, let's talk about them. The, they take place a lot in Florida. Is that where this show is located? <laughs> they are more likely to occur in Florida because of the geology there, but we are not set in Florida. This show is set in roughly New Jersey. No. You've never been to, like, Coney Island? <laughs> or, like, Old Orchard Beach, Maine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're in Manasquan, Manasquan, New Jersey. No, I don't know. <laughs> Was that where you are, John Roberts? <laughs> there are some... No, we just looked at some houses there. But with the architecture of San Francisco, that's why it's so hard to place. It's the architecture of San Francisco in the East Coast. That is right. That is right. It's amazing what you can do with animation. You can yep. take buildings from one part of a country and move them to a slightly different part. <laughs> that's what makes animation amazing. I know. Oh, is that what you're saying? The architecture of San Francisco, that's true, right? Absolutely, yes. 100% architecture from San Francisco. Yeah, remember when we were there and Lauren? What's that? Lauren, you took us to, we were in, we went out to dinner and then we walked in front of your old house that you modeled everything on, right? After the building. Yep, yep. Yeah. Bob's Burgers uh, building, for those of you that don't know, entirely modeled after a little uh, condo that 
we lived in it for years in San Francisco. The downstairs was not a restaurant, but in all other ways, it, it is sort of architecturally uh, the same. And the interior layout is exactly that. And, and it's very helpful. This is a advice to animators. Uh, do base your um, interiors off real places if you can, because then you know the answer to the questions that will inevitably come up. Like, oh, is there a closet there? Is there a window there? And you, you always know, because you, if you know the real interior, you could be the expert of it. It's, it's handy. Is Mr. Fish Odor's mansion based on your new house? <laughs> <laughs> we haven't bought a house that is a... Yeah, we have to wait till we get a good one. And yeah, that's why you haven't seen the interior <laughs> Much. So um, what, uh, what do you think? We... we Got an opportunity to do the movie. My sense was that it was um, fraught. I was always scared that if you do a movie, you run the risk of breaking your show. Um, and and that, you know, in, in an earlier, I don't know, a few years earlier, if they'd asked, I, I might have said no. I was really nervous that, that you can't do a movie justice and come back at the end and have a TV show that, that still makes sense. You know, there's a sort of a, a needle to thread there. Um, and I was worried that the show is we you know we we wallow in smallness and we enjoy uh, smallness and uh, you know low stakes or emotional stakes that are internal and so it also felt really tricky to to pull off a movie. What, what do you guys did you guys have any of that trepidation when when we called you and told you there was going to be a Bob's movie? Um, yeah, I definitely had the same kind of thoughts, uh, but I was like, as soon as I saw it, I could saw that it was like such a good level of stakes exactly like big enough to be a movie but small enough to not ruin the show good answer i was like i'm gonna be in a movie oh my god <laughs> that's that's me too me too yeah <laughs> well it was it's very exciting i mean there's there's uh there's there's previews uh in movie theaters it's pretty exciting it's true what about you, Nora? Were you nervous? I was just like, how are we going to write a movie when we have to do a show every day, all day long? Right. Mostly I just think about how long we're going to have to work on things. <laughs> we did it. We had to work on No, there's along. no time. Go back. <laughs> Stop calling. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I've often explained to anyone who will listen, which is not that many people, but that we were in the middle of rehearsing that that live show, that two nights only in LA musical live show when they called us. And I feel like it influenced at least speaking for myself it gave me much more confidence i we were we had this horn section that we were rehearsing with we had the backup singers we had commissioned those puppets we had we had splurged and we knew we were going to have the confetti cannons and so for me i always thought that we were sort of moving towards being able to put on a big you know really put on a spectacle and that maybe we could pull off a movie but I, you know I, th I think it really helped that we were that we were going big for those for that live show. I remember that live show. I remember that moment in the in the dressing room when you said we were going to do a movie, and all I was saying, all I could think of was, we gotta do some tra uh, tours to promote the movie. We'll yep. go to every town in America. We'll do a Bob's Burgers <laughs> live show to kick off the movie. What what year is this going to be? And I think the year was going to be like twenty. 18 or 2017 the movie was gonna come out 2020 come out in 2020 I think so. or so I think it was 2020 yeah. yeah 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 and now we'll we'll get to tour 
<laughs> Our homes. <laughs> Virtual premiere. At least the movie theaters are open. It is nice to... It is great to go. The The tours were huge. They were so fun. The live shows are so fun. And I agree. I It was. It made sense. And John Roberts, you had this idea that we should, you know, do the movie, like do premieres like Rocky Horror and have make it feel like Comic-Con, have people come in costume or encourage people to come in costume. And um, I, I do hope we get to do some of that. We can do that in each yeah. of our towns. Exactly. We can go exactly. make this like a midnight movie. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll host a bunch of screenings in Massachusetts. I'll, I could host, I'd host a screening in Red Bank, New Jersey. They get, they do a Rocky Horror there every Friday. So I bet the audience is already there. I think it would be great. Let's see if we can make it happen. But by the time this comes out, people will know if we really did this or not. Right, right. That's true. Don't put that in there. Maybe this will be like The Room, like the movie <laughs> The Room. <laughs> <laughs> maybe this is something for like the two-year anniversary in 2024. We'll do a celebration of this movie. Um, do you think we should do it again? Do another movie. Yeah, do you think we'll get it? A, do you think we'll, they'll let us? Seems like Nora doesn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> another one. She's scared. She's like, oh my god, I gotta write. I feel like it's worth doing another movie just to burden Nora. It's like three shows. <laughs> oh, another one. <laughs> Come on, Nora. Yeah, I would love to do another one if this one works, and and also do another one where we don't have to make it during COVID. Yeah, I would love to do another one if this one doesn't work. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Let's make these forever, regardless. No matter how good they are. It's very convenient. Yeah. It was very convenient to be in voice acting during COVID. That's oh, true. Yeah. Yeah. One of, the, right. one of the top jobs. Yeah. Well, this was this was a bright light during COVID. We, you know, because we pretty much started during COVID and yeah. it was, uh, although difficult to be away from everyone, it's definitely really amazing to keep working and, and uh, laughing. It's true. Yeah, just so the people listening know, I haven't seen my cast except for Dan, who I'm not going to touch the partition line. We're not yours. In years. My cast. We're yours. We're in, a, in a couple years now, maybe almost three years, I think I haven't. And I'm used to seeing them a lot more. So yeah, it's going to be true. great to touch your faces again like I like to do. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> but, but the virtual interactions during the first half of COVID, like when we would record, were some of the only human interaction we had. We were allowed. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. There's a lot of chit chat. Yeah. It was bittersweet. A lot of chit chat. <laughs> it was the only time we were allowed with, to talk to people. Yeah, that's true. Here's what I here's what I don't miss: the smell of John Roberts' cologne. Oh, that's it's a first of all, it's such a nice cologne. It's not like a gross oh, cologne-y smell. It's, no, I have it's, a, like, I have a Proustian memory of that, <laughs> your cologne. Proustian. <laughs> it takes me back. You hate anything that smells good, and I smell delicious. <laughs> Everyone always says, wow, you smell <laughs> so good, and the only person that doesn't is you. Okay, John? And if you'd ever smell your breath when you'd been in the booth, it's not pretty. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. That's true. I will get that fixed. No, I'm just kidding. That's not true. That's not true. I, I have out. been meaning to. I have I I've been out. meaning to. No, you've never had bad breath. You've never had bad breath. If anything, you have a very dry lip. And that can be very distracting sometimes. But a uh, uh, very dry, dried out, pruned out face. And yes. those evil blue eyes, those piercing, uh, judge, judgmental eyes. Just I didn't mean to say through my soul. But other than that, we have oh a beautiful God. relationship. I should not have said anything about the cologne. I just want to say I, I hope everyone loves this movie. 
and all of the shows that we've recently made and um and not to be a cop out but i think these things were were written and produced and filmed in um, extreme circumstances. Like everybody, including animators and writers and voice actors were doing it like in our closets, in an office, lots of us with kids trying to learn and running around us. And so I guess these these shows in this movie kind of come out, came out or coming out from a period of extreme duress. So if you, feel like the quality's bad, um, I'm sorry. Okay? <laughs> like, we did the best we could. <laughs> I went back into the closet for this movie. Yeah, no, I, I think it's great that you're pointing that out, and it's and a, a, it's worth um, celebrating and recognizing the crew in particular. I mean, this, this movie here, we were trying to do the best version of Bob's that we'd ever done to make everything movie quality and... and beautiful and and we have to do it under the hardest circumstances we have to do it you know by remote and do it with uh, almost everything going against us and so to to the extent that we uh, achieved it and we made the movie we wanted to make it it really is miraculous and did the tv show at the exact same time it, it's it's it is extraordinary and and it is uh there are people who worked really really hard under really weird and and sometimes uncomfortable circumstances and it's kind of incredible that we were able to stay in production at all i know animation like we've got sort of like john was saying like we're technically we're, we can do it it's you know during lockdown Technically, it's not uh, a risk in terms of our health, but boy, oh boy, from every other point of view, it, it definitely got harder. Especially if you didn't have a sound booth and they were doing construction next to your house every day. That was rough. Yep. Yeah, it's why there's so much banging in all the gene lines. <laughs> yeah, we had to write it a in. A lot of renovation <laughs> happening. People were like, well, if I'm going to be home for the next few years, I'm turning it all into an office. <laughs> There's so, so much that had to be written into the movie. Yeah. <laughs> birds bird, birds yeah. constantly chirping. Yeah. A lot of renovations. Toddler. Babies. Yeah. Babies yeah. crossing the wow. street. Dogs. Yeah. All the kids have more kids? <laughs> yeah, babies walking by <laughs> outside the restaurant. It was a lot. It was a lot. So we're saying just be nice about the movie. <laughs> it was a lot. There was no question, and it, and it's and it, you know, but it really we did leave it all in the field. It definitely we we had a, a great, um, I, I think, conversations with the studio about when we could you know really be ready with this thing, and they were generous and made sure that we had time to finish it, and that was great. That was helpful. Uh, really felt. You know, like, all right, we'll 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 sort of we'll, we'll be behind our original schedule, but in most other ways, we were kind of, uh, you know, uh, arrived in, in a perfect, I think, a perfect release date. Memorial Day weekend of this year is not only good, hopefully, please knock on wood, from the point of view of public health, but also it happens to be almost exactly when the movie is set. We really wanted to come out uh, on the last, you know, weekend. Uh, before school ends because that is this story is about the last week of school before the end of the year and you know going into summer and it, it just was so important to us that we didn't end up you know premiering in the fall or in the winter yeah so we got lucky there yeah it's yeah. easier to dress in a costume too we're having to add a bunch of weird christmas imagery throughout <laughs> yeah 
What are you looking at there? A fun rock? <gasps> police, that's evidence. You should have given that to the police. What, Toothaford? No, 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 this is mine. I earned it. When you go into a hole... Accidentally fall into a hole? Up, up, up. Gracefully tumble in while screaming? Go into a hole. You get to keep whatever lands in your mouth. That's a rule. That's true under the bleachers, too. Plus, look at it. Isn't that the weirdest shaped tooth you've ever seen? Okay, maybe not too close. Oh, you can't handle the tooth. It was in my mouth, Tina. It's just, I think it's like against the law for you to have that. Don't worry, it's just a souvenir. I'll keep it to myself. Check it, people, a dead man's tooth. And she's showing the whole school. I went down to the sinkhole at night, found a skeleton. This tooth fell in my mouth. Did somebody say that's badass? Like the ultimate dead man's drop? I, I mean, I guess, maybe, I don't know. It was very dramatic, and we got it all on tape. Oh. But we gotta get it transferred to a format that anyone else in the world has. I think my dad has that kind of player. This just looks like that kind? Questions. Oh my god, Eli put his retainer on a chain and gave it to you? So romantic. Yeah, we're gonna be summer boyfriend-girlfriend. Wait, but doesn't he like that? Remember this part? I do. I do. We had to figure out how to get in as many characters as possible and then, and it was harder than we thought we thought we could just run through all the favorite guest characters and they could just pop in but many many had to be cut from early drafts because we just couldn't fit it all in make a and make a movie that wasn't four hours long is it is it too late to add add matt damon <laughs> like a cameo or as a character we have a character design that could work whichever he was the one you had to cut <laughs> i just couldn't find room yeah. <laughs> it was either him or ben affleck you had to cut one let's go on yeah him yes here's john benjamin's favorite character to play ms lebon's fourth graders why are you not sitting down or are you sitting it's hard to tell you're all so small <laughs> <laughs> the most grueling character i play on television that's right emotionally <laughs> grueling yeah the one where I can't stop coughing after for a half hour. Oh. <laughs> yeah. We had an amazing art director on this movie. I want to recognize Ruben Hickman while we're watching some of these scenes. The lighting and the, sh you know, the, the light, the actual, like, idea that there's a directionality to the light. And, of course, shadows on the characters, but really just shadows everywhere, light everywhere. It was so fun to go to every single meeting that we had about production design uh, background design, prop design, everything, because it was all lit by this guy with this incredible eye and a great touch. Uh, I thought it was like sort of, um, you know, some of my favorite meetings were just w going in to see what the art was looking like. And it just, at every moment, it seemed like somehow the show, but as painted by Edward Hopper or or something like that. It just kept getting more and more moody and evocative and kind of real. Are you hitting on the movie, Lauren? <laughs> <laughs> I'm. I was really impressed by the the um, people working on this film. I will admit, I was really impressed. I I thought that it would be that the picture would be harder, but uh, everyone was extraordinary. Bernard, such a talented director and artist that that. The art was just always there, you know? It's just, it was on us, nor on me, to ruin it. It was ours to lose. Wasn't everybody worried that the show would look terrible after the movie just because the movie is so beautiful? Like, when you clicked from the front of the um, restaurant, like, from the movie version to the regular show version, you are like, ugh. But it is, it'll be fine. Forget I brought it up. 
Well, now I'm worried. <laughs> Nora. I think it'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm sure we could always, what, triple the budget to make it always yeah. movie quality. It followed the rules of Dogma 95. Is that correct? <laughs> That's correct. We had to. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Was this movie done on an iPhone? That's what I read. It was all natural, all natural animated light. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we had, I think we have, uh, hopefully it will be st some sort of fun to go back to the TV show and experience it after the movie i'm i we in terms of story we we tried to make sure we brought everyone back like that we did no harm first do no harm we had to you know have the characters all have an arc and have the whole thing feel really eventful and then come back and you could watch an episode that night if you were so inclined and it wouldn't feel discontinuous but the shadows uh, yeah, nothing we can do about that. <laughs> <laughs> They're very. I think the lighting is wonderful, and I'm glad. It sounds like you didn't kill anyone in the movie. You didn't like at the end of the movie all the people who are in the world in the universe. Well, you shouldn't say. We should not. We should not say. Right. We won't say which of the main characters we killed until you get to the end of this commentary. Well, I don't think you'd watch this for the movie for the first time with a commentary. Like, I don't think we need to worry about spo spoilers. <laughs> right. That would be a weird way to do it. First, I want to hear what they have to say. <laughs> Maybe you got into a skiing accident and you're on quite a bit of Vicodin, and this is how you're watching the movie. It's, it's true. Some, someone right now is, like, trying to click commentary off. Uh, <laughs> right now? They waited this long? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for, for the last 30 minutes. Yeah. I can't figure this damn thing out. <laughs> Wondering how we know that they're 81 years old and on Vicodin. From a speed accident? <laughs> it's a big yeah. part of our demographic. Yeah, well, they got into the skiing accident Aww. when they were 78. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. It's a sad, look, it's a sad story. And there's only 1,600 people in the world left that have a DVD. Yeah, we're hoping to get a, get all of them a copy anyway. This is, for, this is for you. It's for you, you 1600. <laughs> Will this also be available as commentary uh, through um, iTunes? Good question. I don't know. That's a great question. <laughs> this is like the, the Pam and Tommy Lee tape. <laughs> $89.99. I don't know if he's innocent, but he's going to prison. Well, at least the other prisoners will like his eye patch. That's a good look for prison. You know, conversation starter. Kids, have fun at school. Gene, I hope we do okay on that math homework. I was really winging it. Four. I hope so too. Good guess. <laughs> All right, merge. Look at that light. Look at that light. Beautiful. <laughs> you only get light like that in one place, Matasquan, New Jersey. Uh, <laughs> uh, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. That's true. Based on the arc of the sun, there is that is definitely Jersey yeah. light. Wait, is this happening at 2 p.m.? <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, this was 8, 8 a.m. That is Jersey light. Yeah. The, the whole thing has been worked out within an inch of its life, or we cheated. Either one is true. Both are true. When we asked about the direction of the sun, it was often time correct, and then other times we, we cheated, and, and I felt no shame. It was always for a good reason, or creatively. Question. So for the TV show, were you ever like, oh, let's consider the light source? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Every once in a while, for sure, yes. We've had some early morning or, you know, mid-evening mid, mid you know evening types of shows where it's like, okay, where does the sunset and what would sunset look like if, if it's explicitly in the story? But it's few and far between. It is not, 
it wasn't as as much as a topic of conversation as it was. In here, there was like a sunset coordinator. Yes. For the TV show, it's just like, eh, it's around 4 p.m., who cares? Yep, that is right. We actually tracked the time of day <laughs> through every scene, <laughs> and it was, it was definitely more than one person's job to make sure we got it right. Whoa. There were two sunset coordinators. I know that that's what they're called. <laughs> Yep, 100%. There, it's the all-union gig. 12-hour turnaround, the whole thing. Yeah, and yeah. you can't use a sunrise coordinator for the sunset. No. <laughs> <laughs> Made that mistake before. Stay low, follow my lead. Try to look like alley trash. Or raccoon poop. Kids are off on their adventure. A little uh, a little mystery uh, uh, solving afoot here. We were doing a genre riff here. Nora, do you want to speak to this? We talked ad nauseum about whether it was a true mystery or a true musical or it was a, just a genre mashup. Uh, we settled on the latter, but it was really interesting to, to you know, figure out how much of the formula we wanted to use. The uh -oh. formula of a mystery. Yes. Mm -hmm. The formula of a musical is just that every once in a while they're singing. Yeah. So it doesn't negate something being a mystery, or does it? I would say they the two are compatible, but the more music you put in, the less everything else matters. We paired back. That's, our... that's what Murder, She Wrote. That was their, <laughs> their act. <laughs> That was, that was the writer's room mantra on Murder, She Wrote. Yeah, exactly. Fewer, not fewer songs. A, uh, that was a great show. Really got me through COVID. I mean, if that only had music, it would have been a great show. But the more music you put in, the less mystery can happen. It was more like, I think, it was how confined do we feel by genre conventions and how much did we want to take... Sorry, I know I posed this as a question to you, Nora, and then I never asked you a question. But I, I think it was like, what's the thing that we need and want from, from you know, for example, a murder mystery or a musical? And what do we not want to feel compelled to do? And, and it was, I, I found the whole thing uh, exciting. It was kind of fun to, to figure out what the formula was and then figure out what ways we weren't um, obligated to, to follow it, you know, strictly. Well, we knew we needed clues. Uh, that they found that came together at the end because we've seen that on things. That's the mystery. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then they had to go places and talk to people. Yeah. Um, so they did that. We had a draft where Bob and Linda were much more involved in solving the mystery uh, and we, we paired that back. Yeah, they were. it was like a LA Confidential type thing where they were both trying to solve it at the same time from different angles. Oh, really? Mm. Yep. But as actors, we could not, not have pulled that off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I got that in my chops. You guys saved... Uh, so yeah, you saved the songs for, um, like, sort of the internal desires of the characters, right? That's what, that's what I sort of got. Yes, there's the I want song at the beginning they want to have a great summer and then there's louise's i want song which is kind of mixed in with these carnies yeah with the mystery yep and and with these characters who who you know in some ways you know don't don't get a ton of um dimensionality but they get a song which i thought was nice that the the carnies and the kids are kind of uh one is questioning the other as like as if it was a murder investigation, but in fact they're all kind of on the same side, looking for a little respect, uh, feeling a little, feeling a little mistreated, uh, which was, you know, we thought it gave the Carnies a reason to be in the movie. I would say also if we're like I don't know, probably putting too much on this song, but if it's a movie about optimism and pessimism, that the Lucky Duck song they sort of just accept their fate pessimistically, and they're like. We'll just, you know, be down on our luck and stay that way. And then Louise is like, I'm going to 
she, I guess, takes a more optimistic approach of actually becoming um, activated and stuff. If people want to write mm-hmm. a paper about it, I don't know. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't wait till this movie is assigned in a lot of different classes about a lot of stuff. And <laughs> in film class. You never know. If you're listening to this in film class, switch colleges. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lord, what did, what did you like about writing a movie version versus a TV version? What was the freedoms you could enjoy more by making a movie of Bob's, of the Bob's family? I liked every single part of it. I found the process to be so pleasurable. It was so much fun. We were in this very room, Nora and I, for many weeks at a time, and it was, um, it felt like um, taking a class. I had never, I had myself have not written a movie. I don't think you have either, Nora. This was, so we had to learn how to do it at the end of every day. Without reading any books. <laughs> we promised we'd read no books about it. <laughs> People kept trying to make us read books. We said, no, no, no. We skimmed the cliff notes. <laughs> not even Catch-22? We were aware there were rules. Save that cat. <laughs> we were told we were in violation of some of the cat rules. Yep. Every day, Robert yeah. McKee would come over and talk to us for eight yeah. hours. <laughs> this isn't a story. Say not again, Robert. <laughs> Sorry, Lauren. What were you saying? It's modeled after uh, Atlas Shrugged. Is that correct? That is correct. That's correct. A lot of people don't know that. <laughs> Killing another Cardi? I think that's right. Is that right? You know, it's bad enough that Mr. Fish order kills one of us, which is bad boss alert, am I right? Yeah. But to throw it back on us? Hey, hey, they're just kids. Kid cops, little kid cops. They have those, you know, for going into small spaces and hiding in boxes. Nah, I know these guys. They're not cops. They're little burger babies. Mm. You don't use that word? What, burger? Sorry, meat patties? It's just too much. First Fish order kills Cotton Candy Dan, now this? I may have a tattoo of a dagger stabbing a heart going up into a skull and it says dead inside, but I have feelings, you know. Some lucky ducks get all the luck, some break their backs to make a bucket. Sure, we are a bunch of shady criminalist gents and ladies. But we did our time, yeah. we paid for our crimes. Well, most of us. And our misdemeanors, now we self-right doing weeners. Even though we're kind of sketchy gals and fellas. Some dancing here while we while we talk about themes. This is uh This is the Lucky Duck song, right? Yes, this is it. Yes. Our uh, our kind of our uh, hard knock life riff here yep. in the Carneapolis. A new location. I like oh that's another thing I loved. I loved um training our, our brains to think visually and think about set pieces and big um new locations. We we were so uh, I think um, interested in in expanding the town, but in a way, you, you know, you have to be careful not to go out. You don't want to keep going out and adding locations. So part of what was fun about this movie is going in, you know, like going in between buildings and into these vacant lots for for this scene and and into the wharf, the Wonder Wharf, uh, you know, secret room uh, later on, and and always kind of expanding the the place. Uh, visually and conceptually, but but not by just leaving it, by by kind of digging deeper into this place you've already been. Are there any locations that were in the movie that have now since made it into the TV show or are going to be in the TV show that are new to the movie but will be in the TV show? Good question. This would definitely be one of them. We could go back here. Well, the pavement in front of Bob's is different. 
Because of the thing, right? One of my favorite shots in the movie right there. So that's a boring one. That's right. Oh, that's a cool Easter egg. That's right. We, we made the, the pavement. And oh, and we put the crack in the... We, Meaning the pa pavement, once it's fixed in the movie, in the TV show, it looks different. Yeah, we did that that thing where you can tell the asphalt is newer. Oh, oh there in the TV awesome. show. And that's like through for like that's whatever the everything that comes out after. Yeah, and for a whole year, people have been uh, hopefully catching here and there a crack in the sidewalk and people tripping on it. Whoa! Yeah, oh, wow. said you put a crack. Oh, that's very good. Ooh. We did that all through this season. We have a a couple little moments when. People trip on it, and and anytime you look at the exterior, you'll see the crack in the sidewalk. So there's clues in the TV show that are applied to the movie. Yep. Yeah. Oh, wow. Step That's on great. a crack, break your mama's back. That's fun. That's very fun. <laughs> Why didn't you? Now it's only revealed now. Should I tweet that now so people can look for it? Like, there's clues about the movie and the TV show if you look closely. Yeah. I think so. Maybe it's clue. Is it yeah. plural clues? Or singular. There's a clue in the TV shows if you look closely about what happens in the movie. Mm -hmm. True, true right. fact. Well, each trip is a different clue. Yeah. Take a trip <laughs> down crack. crack. <laughs> okay, I'm going to tweet that if I got permission. No, I think that's fine. Yeah, well, I'll do it. <laughs> we were talking about going back to Carnegie Apolis. Yeah. Just with one of the writers the other day. That'd be fun. Yeah, I think we should. It's a great spot. And I guess we can go back to the secret room. It's going to still be there. Right. And we can go back to the band shell, I guess. Oh, yeah. Is Dove ever going to come back? Who? Dove. Lorraine Newman. Oh, oh, Dove. The singer Dove who lives in their town. Yeah. Sure, Dove. why not? I saw a poster. I did see a poster pop up, right, in an episode? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, we love Dove. Felix, they showed her, and they're yelling at each other, and they're all throwing ducks. Wait, Felix was at the game? No, he wasn't. Mr. Fishoda doesn't let him play Lucky Ducky because Felix gives all the duckies different voices and personalities, and it makes it take a while. That's why it was weird that he showed up that night, but nobody back there wants to hear that maybe Mr. Fishoda didn't do it. Oh, my God. God, of course, Felix Fishholder. It's so Felix. He has access to Mr. Fishholder's gun. He was fighting with both Mr. Fishholder and Clan Candy Dan. And most importantly, he has a motive. He has a motive to frame his brother. Because he's mad Mr. Fishholder doesn't like his lucky ducky voices? No, because I bet you if Mr. Fishholder goes to jail, Felix gets his money. We gotta go to the cops. Oh. Uh, mind if I don't go to the cops? I have to pick up my dry cleaning because it's dry now. Yeah, no problem. Oh, okay. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Thank you, Scary Carney. Love you. Bye. Bye. Well, everything fits perfectly. What's this for? Olive Bar. What? I thought you could have imported olives and they could go there. Oh, I'm not sure. While you wait that... for a burger, you help yourself to an imported olive. Okay. I got these on my way over. You can pay me later. I wish Larry was here. We could talk a little bit about Teddy. That was It was fun to write for him in this context. The guy who we, we realized pretty late in the game that he needed to really, sh you know, this this scene where he shows up with the with the cart on wheels, the, the mobile Bob Burger mobile, as he calls it. This this, you know, finally helped us crack the Bob, Linda and Teddy story and, and helped us understand exactly, you know, how he specifically fits into this story and, and will drive you know, the whole rest of the movie for the grown-ups. It was quite satisfying to try and try and try and then finally arrive at this. And we knew we had it when, when we had this. It was instantly apparent that we had found the piece that was missing. Larry's also a really good singer. That's true. When we were talking earlier about singing people. That's right. That's a good point. Yeah. That is true. Yeah, Larry can sing very well. Really? Yeah. I can't imagine. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> I've heard him. I've done karaoke with Larry. He's very. He was very impressive. He's, it's got it. He's got it. Yeah, in you performed. I've had the time of my life as a duet on stage, oh, wearing right. a dress with Larry Murphy. And That's and true, it, and I was uh, definitely the weak link in that. He <laughs> <laughs> sold it. Great scene. I think a lot about Bernard's boards in this scene. I love the little heads peeking over the back seat. I love the everyone crouched down. It felt very. This would felt like filmic to me. This. This scene. This is one of the scenes that early on we we had it, we liked it, we never. And as much as we rewrote the rest of the movie, this scene got very little rewriting because it was it was always uh, we hoped exactly what it needed to be. A great Gary Cole doing Sergeant Bosco and this great boards. I won't say anything about the light. Very nice. <laughs> can't keep going back. I can't keep talking about it. Oh, look at the acting. This is. This was the other great pleasure, you know, of working with Bernard in particular and, and Brian and their team because you always want these little things, right? You always aspire to have, like, the eyebrows go up in just a way, you know, just so, and little pupil shifts that indicate the internal life of the character. And we get lots of that on, on the TV show, and we enjoy it, And but it's it's we just had it at every stage in the movie. It was always there from the very first thumbnail, and that was so fun. I For me, that's such a pleasure to have killer boards, even when they're this loose, you know, half-drawn thing, you already have the acting, you know, hitting uh, each character alive. Yeah, that was, uh, what a luxury. That's the end of the movie. Oh, it ends so abruptly. <laughs> I have notes. Oh. Oh, did we run? Oh, did we talk through our the reels that we prepped? Do you want us to do a lot of like, um, so you can spread out <laughs> our commentary throughout with like as if we're thinking about our answers? Good question, Lauren. Hmm. I hope by the time people are watching this, they've safely seen it in the theater and enjoyed it, maybe told their friends, maybe gone back. Yeah, we hope we've had a good premiere. This is a pregnant moment here. We don't know what's going to happen. Any other parting words you'd like to share with our, the fans who've made a point of watching this and listening? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for being there for us. Amen. Thank you. Well, I just want to say I love you all, every one of you that's listening. Thank you so much. Thanks for watching, Bob's, and you, all your dreams are going to come true. Aw. Yeah. Or like two of two of the four? Three dreams. <laughs> Be reasonable. All right. One dream's going to come true. Can we pick which dream? <laughs> yeah, we get to pick which dream comes true. Three out of five dreams? I think three out of five dreams is a pretty reasonable <laughs> thing. Like, you'll marry the wrong person, but you'll have the right job. <laughs> <laughs> Send us your dreams. We'll decide which one comes true. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Bob's Burgers 2 could be about your wrong dream coming true. Bob's Burgers, careful what you wish for. Sometimes yeah. dreams are bad. <laughs> well, thank you, everybody. Thank you for lending us your voices once again. Thank you, Lauren and Nora and yeah, everybody for making that yeah. movie. Yes, thanks yeah. for writing a great, beautiful movie and everyone that did the hard work. Yeah, thanks for whoever called you around the time we were doing those shows and offered us this chance. Amen. Thank you, thank you guys. See you at the next record, I guess. Thanks for watching. All right, more commentary. We're going to continue our commentary. Uh, this is Lauren Bouchard, and I'm joined now by Bernard Derriman, my co-director on this feature film. Hello. Ruben Hickman, our production designer. Hello. And Nora Smith, who wrote the movie along with me and uh, runs the show, the series with me as well. 
Uh, let's dive right in and waste no time. One of the things that is different about this movie versus the TV show is your production design, Ruben. Kick us off here. My impressions are many. I have lots to say about what you brought to this, um, but I, I think people should hear it from your point of view. What does a production designer do on a movie, and how did you apply those skills uh, to this one and turning a TV show into a movie? Oh, right, yeah. Well, a production designer is responsible for the look of the movie, the kind of final picture in every way. What we don't have to do with as much is animation, the movement of things, definitely not the sound and the story. So let's just say everything else except those. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, there's other things that we don't have to do with as well, of course. And, you know, it's something like this, which is, you know, a, a long-standing, very popular television show. The task was to find a way to make it cinematic, to bring scope and scale to it, which is... Scope and scale, unfortunately, is a cliche that that uh, that we all say in the industry. Yeah, but really a meaningful cliche. I mean, at least in in my opinion, it was really relevant to talk about scope and scale because the TV show uh, intentionally uh, deals with smallness. Uh, we we spend time and effort, sometimes even uh, really explicitly shrinking stories and settings. Um, and so here, making a movie, we had to figure out how to um, bring our take on scope and scale, but without being stupid. Yeah. It wasn't, you know, the Belchers go to space or whatever. It had to be organic. Exactly. And, and what I think we ended up focusing on was, you know, this may, perhaps is a good example of just these... When you're any given shot, you're looking at light and dark and depth and motion and weather, right? And like that transition we saw, that was something you and Bernard fought for and worked hard on, right? So so that those (laughs) stairs tilted, you know, as we, (laughs) as the camera goes up. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I agree that it's a, a, um, it's a overused, but boy, oh boy, it was handy to us scope and scale. You know, that was our guiding light, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll pitch you later my movie about scope and called Scope and Scale uh, with a, a talking microscope and a talking telescope. Um, but yeah, we kept track of weather, we kept track of time of day, light direction, all these things to try to get as much of that cinematic feel as we could. I thought it was really interesting because I've worked on other things like SpongeBob, where you know you um, take a popular television show and do something with it, and the ideas were always like, let's go to space with SpongeBob, or let's go to the real world and make CG robots or something. And I was, I guess, happy to know that you guys weren't going to do that and that your, you know, kind of special idiosyncratic take of keeping everything in the town and actually going kind of inward, like um, the secret room and Mm -hmm. uh, Carniopolis, instead of like, you know, these far reaching epic travels. It's just around the corner. It's just that, but as kids become adults, you know, you, you discover that the wilder, scarier world is, is right there. Sorry, kids. You know, so I thought that was a neat take, and I thought it fit to the, uh, to I don't know, the sensibilities of the show. Elsewhere on this uh, DVD, I, I spend time talking about a couple of those things you just mentioned. In particular, we definitely wanted it to feel, the, the analogy I use is like one of those toy houses you have when you're a kid where it opens up like a Malibu Barbie dream house, and you can you know, unfold a familiar thing and see it in a new way. And that was really what we 
we wanted to do with you know with this treehouse that we're watching now and with yeah. uh, later with the pier it was this sense of discovery like you just said and and designing an interior space that you never knew was there but was hidden in plain sight the whole time that seemed um, like the more fun challenge to that was going to yeah. be our version of going big i love that idea and i, I think there's something that i mean a lot of children's books and things uh, play with that idea and it's just a it's a great theme that seemed really appropriate to this property for lack of a better word yeah you know it you know it started with episode two we wanted bob inside the walls of the house a great episode yeah. in episode two of our series and so we sort of we set this pace for ourselves and it was nice that the movie was our chance to to do it but on this grander scale That's um right. let's talk about a little bit about light at the risk of saying this on every commentary that i'm going to record for this to see the slanting light and the shadows to me, it gives me no end of pleasure. It feels like the fullest culmination of 2D animation, uh, where it's still proudly 2D. It's still a line that you can see and perceive. It's not trying to be 3D or 2.5D, but it's got light as a as an idea in almost every shot. And it seems, uh, Bernard, tell me if you agree, that what that Ruben and you collaborated on that and made it just um, a priority and a real pleasure uh, to just paint that in in all these shots. Is that, uh, yeah, you want to speak to that? Exactly. And I think, and in, this, in just watching what we're looking at here, these clouds behind them, we spoke at length about this, there's this storm that's coming in, there's going to be rain later. So we had this this whole thing where the storm came in from the ocean, so you can see any of these shots out to sea, we had the clouds, and then we had the shadows going from there. And, yeah, just adding it all in. It's another thing, going back to what you were saying about, the you know, from going from the show to the movie. We'd love to have all these shadows in the show, and every once in a while we do add them, but the beauty of working on the movie was that we could just go to town on all these shots and just drop them in everywhere, and stuff like this looks great. Yeah. What? Tina, get your head out of your boobs. Right, right. Hey, Tina, ah. you're not really thinking about Felix and Fanny, are you? Fantasy Jimmy Jr., what are you doing here? You're thinking about me. You're thinking about this. Boom, 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 boom. Holy crap. <sighs> no time for this. What's that question you want to ask me? You're not nervous that I'll say no. You're nervous that I'll say yes. And that real me is just never going to be as good as fantasy me. Sing it, Jimmy Jr., not now. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I'm okay. Tina, focus. Yep, coming. Here I am. Ugh, we lost him. Great. There's the band shell. See you soon, Shelly. We're gonna rock so hard. A lot of confidence here, despite what some robots may say. What? Nothing. Look, the golf cart. And he's parked in front of the funhouse like a true criminal. It looks so good. It's so, I mean, it just, to me, it speaks to the power of the medium. I mean, I think 2D animation, you know, I guess there's an open question as to whether it's a, a relic of the past, like uh, black and white photography, or whether it's uh, evergreen and, and just this, you know, a medium that will keep hopefully having resurgences and whatnot. But to me, regardless of what the public opinion is, I just think it's it'll never not be uh, my favorite form of animation and frankly, my favorite medium for storytelling. Uh, Nora, do you, do you spend time thinking about this, the, the, how lucky we are to <laughs> be able to make a 2D show in 2022 or whatever it is right now? It's It seems like um, we're, we're, we might be 
you know, one of a very few, at least in theaters, uh, in, in any year uh, th- in this decade. Yeah. I mean, I keep the, I hope they keep happening. They seem like so much more painterly and I don't know. I, I don't think kids are bumped by it, you know? I think kids are just like drawn to, you know, if it's a face... Like how babies like really big faces, you know, I guess. I don't know, my baby does. And I think kids are just drawn to a face that they like. It's not about the 3D stuff. That seems more like our stuff. Not that this is a movie just for kids. It's hopefully for everyone. But I enjoy both, but I think I prefer... No, I enjoy both. But I, of course, love the painterly aspect of 2D that you don't quite get in 3D. Or, or in stop motion. Stop motion is amazing too, and I love watching it. But I, I just think it's so. I, I and maybe we can um, throw it back to Bernard and Ruben. But it seems like this is an artist drew. Please, throw you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> artist drew this like that's what i love about it that a, a, a hand drew this and, and of course artists work on every you know it's not if it's animation then artists are involved and, and that's certainly true of 3d and, and stop motion but i just feel like with 2d it's so pure because uh i mean sure we use computers but it could have been drawn on paper it was drawn by a hand using a pen-like implement and it means the human hand was moving through space to make bob's nose do that turn or that umbrella you know had to be drawn by designers and i just i i i love that that's it starts as drawings and it ends as drawings you know there isn't a uh, i feel like there's something so great what you do Ruben and Bernard that you use your hands in this particular way that you've mastered this skill uh, and that we get to bring it to life but with motion and and words I just think of it as it still amazes me to this day even though I know how it's done and I also am an adult I still think it's a bit of a magic trick to pull this off do you guys think about that when you're in the depths of Photoshop or or uh, Storyboard Pro and you're slogging through (laughs) the, the pencil hour the pencil miles as they say yeah I do, for sure. I also, uh, Bernard, you interrupt free, freely if you want to. But yeah, I, I've always loved being able to see the artist's hand, um, you know, in, in paintings, uh, you know, more gestural, more uh, impressionistic, you might say. And there's a big effort. Of course, I worked in CG for years where the entire goal is to hide the artist's hand. You know, let's say, you know, like matte paintings and CG movies are often still done by hand in Photoshop by, you know, skilled painters. Hmm. Uh, but the idea is to make sure it never looks like a human did it. You know what I mean? Mm. And that's not my favorite. So I was excited to get back to 2D, which uh, is something, you know, that I, I loved always and got into the industry for. I had a lot of fun with CG and still think it's great. But I agree there's something very special about 2D and knowing that uh, an artist did it. I guess it's like the difference between hearing a great drummer and hearing a drum machine, right? It's like there can be something kind of empty about one of them sometimes even though both are great mm-hmm. that's fair um i'm just lucky I, I have a job you know the 2ds 2d wasn't uh isn't around as much as it used to be so there were a ton of studios and when i started out there were studios all over the world and they kind of all dropped off the 2d one so it's uh it's just nice to be able to draw mm. still well, I hope it comes back, or at least doesn't ever fully go away, I guess, is another way to say that. It's just, as an end, you know, to, trying to appreciate it as an audience member and a fan, to me, it still has a, a, a there's a need for it. There's still a place for it. I, I'll never, ever get tired of watching Miyazaki movies, and I'll never, I don't think, aspire to do anything other than just be as, you know, good-looking as those. It just seems like that's the the 
there's still a kind of a gold standard of of mm -hmm. 2D animation. There's still some works that will they'll never get old. And I hope you know we we can uh, do that kind of work. It, it just seems timeless. Whereas I worry that sometimes the slickness of 3D animation, not always, but sometimes it might feel dated. You know, in a in a couple decades, I worry that the some movies will really look of their time. Um, I guess it's true for everything, but I think 2D might age better i hope so yeah uh, we should we should talk about this room too this was uh this was like the biggest undertaking of the whole movie being a <laughs> yeah yeah let's talk about yeah production design and directing and writing as it pertains to this because nora let's why don't we kick it off and then we'll throw to them this we knew we wanted this room. We thought a lot about this room. We um, at one point thought it would be a theater. Uh, that started to feel a little too meta. Right. Um, and then we were kind of excited when we came upon this version of it and, and, and when we realized how integral the, the submarine would be and the organ uh, and, and then ultimately the, the shooting gallery. It became this circular space that we knew was we're basically we're going to show off and with Tina, I guess, as in the bar here as the fourth quadrant uh, and her little story intersecting here and her... Uh, disillusionment and I and so we from a writing point of view we almost knew right away the biggest problem we were going to have is that we we were going to accidentally put a big chunk of the movie in this room and as a result it had to deliver because we were going to be spending a, a good amount of time here um so that really I think I feel like that was the the headline when we when we went into boards and and when we started talking to Ruben and his team it was all about how can we sustain this amount of time in the movie in one location and what was going to be, you know, fun to look at and, and think about and listen to, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, do you want to speak to that any, anymore? Well, yes, we want, we knew pretty early we wanted to be in the secret room. And I think to me, it's sort of like, um, this probably isn't what you were thinking when you pitched it, but like got a Goonies aspect to it of like just hidden spaces that are in your town, you know? Sure. I am a fan of Goonies. Um, and I think there's something very childlike about finding these hidden spaces that are in there. And you guys were talking about this earlier. And just the fun of something that you see every day, like the pier, and then there's this whole world underneath, which seems like, I guess, like, of course, adults hopefully are excited about it too, but like very childlike excitement and then yeah we realized we were gonna be down there a lot but i feel like that was scarier in the writing phase and then we when we started seeing it like later i wasn't scared of that at a certain point really it just felt kind of like so much was happening and everywhere you look is kind of so you know gorgeous that i wasn't worried about it at a certain point when we just were screening it good how about you, Bernard? We were hung up for a while on when it was a theater. I remember for a long period we were trying to work out how do we make this space work when 80% of it's going to be seats. And do you remember that in some of the early boards? Mm -hmm. And then we eventually sort of started trying to open it up more and then that's when we came up with this whole backstory of the submarine and the ride and then everything else sort of went on from that. Mm -hmm. Then we started out adding bars and... And it's very Fisher to mm -hmm. place too, you know. It's the type mm -hmm. of thing that we imagine Calvin would have for himself, you know. Yeah. Was there going to be a show, like at one point maybe a live show with mermen and merwomen, mm -hmm. like doing underwater? Yeah, it was in dialogue. Yeah. We weren't going to show it, but we were going to we were going right. to describe it. Uh, they used to have. Uh, I forget what it was. Nineteen sailors who would drown on a daily basis and be rescued by mermaids or something like that. <laughs> right, and there was like a poster. There was going to be a poster with a really hot. Um, Poseidon. What's it called? Poseidon that Tina was, of course, 
Yeah. Well, he got right? in. He got in. That that stuff. That sculpture guy, is yeah. pretty hot. Yeah. 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 yeah it's pretty yes. hot. Jerky. Oh, no reason. Uh, well, I forget. <laughs> what are you What are you holding? Nothing. Um, candy. Mmm, so good. Now you're gagging. Nope. Mm -mm. Let me see. He really wants some candy. Spit it. <laughs> what? The, is that a, a tooth? It's so weird looking. And Ruben, let's let's get you talking. I mean, this you touched all of this so many times. You brought all of your skills to it. Yeah, this was really fun. Yeah, it was it was kind of a deep collaboration, of course, with Phil Hayes, the art director from the series. He and I got mm -hmm. very obsessed with going deep on Carnival Baroque, which is a you know recognized uh, genre of art. Mm -hmm. Very cool, you know, very weird, kind of a almost a creepy, tacky. Baroque, tacky in a good way, though, mm -hmm. I'd say. And, uh, you know, trying to imagine what the fish odors' ancestors might be like. Certainly eccentric and strange. Maybe they were friends with Aleister Crowley or something mm -hmm. like that. <laughs> and just trying to go to town on that. Also, um, the late, great Dave Creek mm. made some great contributions in the mural. Um, so it was a great chance to collaborate from, with artists from the series as well. But yeah, it was really fun. And it was like, you know, it was like a huge environment. Like each direction you look is its own special thing. The submarine, the orchestra marama, the staircase, you know. Yeah, and then they, and then of course it connects. You know, that's the the pleasure. Uh, we have a long way to go before we get there. Uh, but this, I'll just uh, spoiler. It's we, you know, we when they break out, they get to go under the pier. So it's it's like um, going back to that. The, this theme of this conversation, which is these hidden spaces that are mm. um, right there under your feet and, and uh, hidden in plain sight. This one connects to this underpier that is this middle space that's neither storage nor is it quite as uh, adorned as this secret room, um, but it's it's also a fun environment. We spent a lot of time there, and, and we've, we in fact, we designed uh, uh, more of it than we were able to include in the final movie, and uh, we can speak to it specifically, I guess, when we get there, the, the little bits and bobs that we all uh, have as screen grabs uh, in our uh, <laughs> on our hard drives, but will never be seen. Mm -hmm. This, um, to me, though, it speaks again to the um, the challenge that we gave you guys, you know, you on the visual side of things, which was, you know, how to how to pull this off uh, in, in a way that, you know, it didn't, I don't know, break the bank. You know, we had a budget on this movie, but, you know, we could, writers can, in animation, as even though uh, theoretically everything's uh, the same cost, you know, it's all just uh, pencil miles and person hours, but... Uh, 
on some level, you can still, I think, write yourself into a deep hole with moving camera, for example, and shifts in perspective that are costly to animate it. Right. But but you guys just did it. You know, there was a lot of bravery, I feel like, here. Uh, Bernard, you know, it seems like in boards, you just, the parts that were hard were the parts you were most excited about. So we, we never really had any friction. We were just always, all of us, and Janelle was fearless too. We were always just trying to make the ambitious things uh, work. Does that sound accurate, Bernard? Yeah, and again, you know, we're, we're used to working fast in the show and and it was, I think it was a pleasure for all of us, I know for you too, but to, to, to be able to slow down and, and spend some time on this stuff when, you know, you're making 200, what, what how many how many minutes of animation per week of the show we're we doing every year? We're doing 16 like, million minutes a week, I think. I think it is. It's a lot. Thereabouts, but... To, so to have 90 minutes and spend a few years on it, it was awesome. Yeah. And and so some of this stuff we, you know, and, and I know we see glimpses of it, glimpses of it in the um, deleted scenes, but we went through a whole period here where a lot of this song sequence was in a turned into a white room, and we had had that till quite late. This was all everything you could see here was white, and that was just working on the movie, some of the time we could afford to spend exploring that stuff was, was awesome. Yeah, boy, amen. Time, Nora and I talked about this a little bit in our one of our other commentaries, but you know, time is a gift on any, in any creative project, and it certainly is on a movie. You feel it, especially those of us that are working in, in TV and then jump over onto this feature schedule. You see the potential immediately to do your best work because time is suddenly uh, opened, and there's you know it's still not enough of it, um, but there's more, <laughs> and and you get to you know you get to spend it uh, going back and redrafting drafts and reworking ideas, and boy, what a luxury! Whom will they suspect? Not me. No, no, no. Why would they? Something unfortunate is going to happen to us. Uh, yes. Surprise. Oh, poo. Wait, both of us? Yeah. Sorry, you were so insistent about going with your brother to Cuba. I bought an outfit. Yes, we know. But let's just say your submarine isn't going to go to Cuba. Oh, Cancun? It won't make it out from under the pier. Oh, my. Oh, dear. Did you think that sub was going to make it to Cuba? Mm, I think we might have gotten a little too excited about the sub idea. I mean, isn't it just an old ride? Yes, it runs on tokens. But not the best frame job, right? I mean, why bury Clown Candy down in front of our restaurant and then wait six years? Yeah, right. I didn't bury him in front of your restaurant, and I didn't want to wait six years! Six years! Easy, easy. Maybe we should hold off on the questions. I had it all worked out. A top-rate murder! I shoot Mr. Carney with Calvin's gun, I stick him in a pile of dirt or whatever yucky stuff was near the entrance to the wharf. I leave the stupid foot sticking out so someone would be sure to see it. But little did I know that some numbskull backhoe operator working for the city was going to scoop up that pile without even checking for dead carnies. I come back, I've got nobody, I didn't know where they brought the dirt, and it's not like I could go around asking, hey, what's the word? Did anyone find any dead guys this tall, kind of a biter? It was a nightmare, but thankfully... Nora, I have a question for you. Big screen versus small screen. That's another big dichotomy, not just... Uh, everything we've talked about up until this point, but also the experience of watching something. You know, we're going to all go and uh, be together in person, which is not something we're, we're totally used to doing. Uh, and we're all going to watch- before COVID, we just hate being around Ooh. each other. <laughs> we avoid it. And this, and yet here we will be sitting uh, next to each other in a dark room and watching this on the big screen. And it's, uh, I think all of us on this call, it's something we've, we, uh, you know, before 
COVID we all enjoyed doing. And here we are, we're gonna be going back to it. And But we also make TV and we also live in this era when, you know, this conversation is happening around, you know, maybe you can make a great movie that just goes straight to streaming. And of course the answer is yes, you can. Do you wanna to speak to, you know, what are you hoping to get out of sitting in a dark room and watching this? Well, to me, it's it's terrifying to think of that. But um, <laughs> I kind of wasn't. Uh, there was just so many people on the movie, and two, of, well, three of them are here. I'm not one of them. That were so on it for that that I was like, okay, they will take care of that, and it will look beautiful. And um, of course, we had to do the writing thing, and but we kind of, I think, we immediately thought of like, <laughs> for whatever, however we work. Um, the the dead body came up pretty quick and we're like dead body that's like that's a big screen thing right we can't do a dead body on a on a, a show on Fox at night I mean I guess we probably could but we're not really that kind of show so that like the big screen stuff for us I feel like came you know with like the okay what's the biggest smallest story we can break that hopefully has a dead body and a, and a murder to solve and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then as far as, like, big screenness, yeah, I felt in very good hands, um, and I just wanted to make them happy. Like, I remember the chase scene, like, that's the kind of thing I'm terrible at writing action, so I was like, yeah, chase scene, and it's good. And then uh, <laughs> it turns into something, I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's how you make stuff that is supposed to be on a big screen Yeah, with what Bernard did. It was just yeah. like... All right, movies movies like that kind of when you do that kind of thing. Yeah, big set pieces. I yeah. I agree with all that and I would add for me big screen also means big speakers and my passion for audio is also one of the ways Bernard you and I just um kind of um divide our labor on this movie as co-directors, right? It's uh, to some extent, not not at all completely, but to some extent, you know, you concern yourself uh, with the visuals and I concern myself with the audio, not because we don't want to play in the other's sandbox, but which we do all the time, but because um, it's the thing that keeps us up at night, yes, right? Yes. And I, I would say, I think it's safe to say, and I stay up at night worrying whether or not we were gonna uh, bring enough bass and enough, um, you know, orchestra and enough sound effects and enough of the actors' performances to the speakers, because these are gonna be, you know, this is gonna be uh, blasted in a louder and bigger way than our TV show ever has, uh, I suppose, except for when we get to go to Comic-Con and screen little clips. Um, uh, do you wanna speak to that, Bernard? Because you also love audio, I know, and, and music and dialogue, and you, you never hesitate to have your hands on that stuff did you do you think we got there with the the big speakers aspect of the big screen experience yeah i thought when it came to the score that was where i think the movie really lifted to after we'd sort of had some temp in and everything but to hear what our composers and i and i think we spoke about this too how great it was having the composers from the show work on the movie and so it it really brought it back to the show it wasn't like we were sort of throwing in something that we that was foreign to us but we used our composers and they did an amazing job yep absolutely but also bernard you threw in your own music to animate too right and uh, i mean it was always yeah incredible. i mean it's like it you couldn't it, it wouldn't be what it was without that of course and that 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 is something that i i think especially when you're boarding and animating it too or particularly animating too when you could have some of that big music that you can pull just just pull from anywhere from your favorite movies drop it in and it's just a flavor that can really inspire you and and you start when you start hearing that 
in your head it's already a, a big film a big feature film which is what you're all, we're always trying to do and you know especially like visually obviously we really wanted to to elevate this to make it to make it feel like a big screen experience and so to when you have that music with it it really you know t- takes off and that's what a lot of this chase is actually we I was trying to find all kinds of music that had really fast beats trying to find something that would help with the pace of this chase and give it a lot of speed and really wanted this to be really exciting at, uh, at this stage of the movie. Yeah, and a big shout out to our mixers too. I think the, the Formosa team understood that this scene had to be that, you know, almost impossible task of uh, sound effects up and music up, but dialogue audible. You know, and jokes. And, and, and jokes, exactly. And it's not, and it sort of technically can't be done. And yet, a great mixer doesn't tell you that. They don't turn uh, uh, and say, uh, sorry, you know, asshole, uh, producer, director, guy, you can't have that. That's not physically possible. They say, I can make that work with magic and, and, and trickery uh, where you, you don't notice that the sound effects are coming up here and the music's dipping slightly and then the whole thing shifts again when the dialogue has to poke through. But they, and, and there's, there's sound design in here like layers deep. I mean, the little Kawasaki engine that we, you know, found for the car uh, for some of these moments and the tires on wood you know they they walked me through uh ron and his team at formosa walked me through just how they did some of this stuff i mean they had microphones underneath teslas riding over particular pieces of architecture that they thought would sound right for the you know the tires on on (laughs) these it's really a a pleasure i mean this you know it speaks to the collaborative nature of these uh these things of animation in particular but uh, movies and television in general, and it's just uh, always, uh, I think, the pleasure of finding out you're working with somebody who loves their job, <laughs> and then you know, you, you know, you're gonna do the best thing that you could possibly do because everyone's having a good time, and it's, you know, I think the, it speaks to, I guess, the other thing that's worth talking about uh, a little bit. I don't want to belabor it because the whole world has talked about the pandemic and will forever. But, you know, we made some of this movie together and some of it we were not together. Ruben, I'll throw back to you since uh, I want to hear your voice. What's your sense of of the future of animation? Will we all go back to working together in one place full time and and missing our families? Or will we do you think this this hybrid thing's going to going to fly? Are we all going to now do some of our work from home and, you know, only go into meetings a few times a week? How how, how do you think it's going to go? Just like you said. Yeah, I do think it'll be a hybrid from here on out. I mean, I think that uh, we all kind of knew that, you know, as all these amazing digital tools, even for 2D, started to become ubiquitous there, that we could work from home, but we still really weren't doing it much, and the pandemic sort of pushed us that direction, you know, by force. And I think that would be the one, you know, silver lining, at least for our our industry, um, for an otherwise, you know, horrible event. And yeah, it, it seems to, I, I was shocked, to be honest, that that our schedule had to change a little, but not much, you know, and um, we were able to just keep going in a number of departments, it barely missed a beat uh, when we all just, you know, loaded our computers into our cars and yep. drove them home. <laughs> yep, And, and the series, too. Yeah. Yeah. It was one yep. day we were all down there with masks on, you know, yep. carrying our monitors, one by each one of us. Like a like ants or something, you know what I mean? Yeah, it was amazing, and it yeah. worked. 
And yeah. I think it'll be a hybrid, though, because I do think there's also something very important about being in the room with your team sometimes. Yeah. And I don't know. I just recently started getting sick of being at home. Maybe other people are starting to feel that way. <laughs> but <laughs> by and large, it should be a great improvement in the hopefully in the quality of life in this town anyway, Los Angeles, where people have horrible commutes and things like that. And yeah. I, I hope it really is a remedy to that. Yeah. This is my nightmare. We're living my nightmare. Phones! We can use our phones! Where are they? Grover took our phones. Oh, oh, oh. Holy crap! Oh, God! Oh. Kids, hold my hands! Wear your hands! Wear your hands! And put that memory in a place you don't think about. Now let's get back to the wharf, launch my cousins into the sea, and we're back on track, baby! Okay, I gotta think. I don't want to breathe all of our oxygen. And Lauren, this is... So we should talk about the fact that for a long time, this was all going to be pitch black. Yeah, here comes this... the audio nerd pitch, right? It's like, what yeah. if the, the pivotal <laughs> emotional part of the story takes place in the dark? And, and everyone was so nice to me. They basically agreed, uh, even though I imagine now that then everyone was like, winking at each other behind my back when I would leave and they'd be like, it's, we're not going to really do five minutes in the dark, right? We, we're going to have lights on, right? We'll secretly animate it because he's dumb. <laughs> and then we'll be like, oh, wow, someone accidentally did this, I guess. Let's yeah, just use it this. really was. It really was that almost the uh, you're, you joke. But uh, I, there was a lot of like, well, we, we should ship the animation in case we want to see a little bit. And, and so we did actually animate the whole thing. And of course, Cooler heads prevailed, and I I do not um, have any regrets about having some light. I like this. I like the contrast between the darker uh, version and when the the light the nightlight goes on, and I like the flashing off and on, and I like the claustrophobia of the darkness. But I I am glad that we didn't do it in the pitch dark. I think it would have been the the danger is it takes you out of the movie, and all of a sudden you're staring at that screen, not literally not seeing black, but seeing gray. You know, right. and that right. would have been the worst. I Checking think it's, your phone. Yeah, God forbid. And so this just keeps your eyes up there and tells you that there are some characters in jeopardy here and that you you should not, um, nothing should be asking you to be thinking about the craft, but rather just the just the story and, and the stakes. Um, so, I, I you know, there's there's a cool audio, you know, version of this uh, movie and and certainly the seeing impaired uh, I think are hopefully enjoying Bob's the series and Bob's the movie uh, for for what it is as a, as a radio play because we produce it that way and we think a lot about how this would play with no picture because we we love audio and we love producing um, stories that can can stand on their own but in the end uh, I'm glad I'm glad we lit this um, but Ruben should we talk about your idea that we never got to do the little power light that was going to be lighting Bob and Linda especially from below on the dash board i still miss that little light yeah and whenever you do something like this that's basically supposed to be you know extremely dark um well you see her night lights flashing on just to be clear that's what creates the big yellow light of course yeah but there was supposed to be a subtler light from the dashboard that was to glow on everybody like one of those old like an old not an led but, but what they used to use before that right these led these Ooh. little bulbs that would then be trapped behind this little um piece of yeah you know orange or colored glass. yeah exactly yeah and the colored glass would affect it uh yeah that would have been cool the interesting thing about 2d sometimes is that um you have more leeway when you just decide to create kind of a atmosphere light you know here they are yeah. you can see them but you know it's dark and the i don't think the audience questions it too much you know that's the one of the beauties of, of 2d is 
because you're lacking literal qualities in a few mm -hmm. other places, yeah. you're not going to get caught up in saying, wait, how can we see anything? You, you know, I think it's enough to be like, you know, it's dark in there. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, that's okay right. Cheat, the light cheating is. is accepted a little bit more perhaps in this medium. Yeah. But it would have been nice to do the little light. Uh, it probably would have been, I'm not going to say better, but because we have lots of beautiful lighting all over, mm -hmm. but it would have been neat. But some things, uh, lots of things always fall through the fingers uh, mm -hmm. when you're making something like this. Another thing about working on a movie like this too for so long is, you know, they always say it's only finished when they take it off you. And, um, I'm still seeing the odd scene. I'm like, is this the latest version of the movie? Because I thought we fixed that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a funny thing. And when it was like we had to turn it in, but we'd still like watch it and like write down like quote picture notes. And Bernard yeah. would be like, what if he just like did like a double take and like maybe, you know, <laughs> dipped his head back or whatever, you know? And like right. we'd all be like, yeah, and then the people that have to say no were like, no, no, Bernard, no. But it was fun to watch it. Happen. Sure, we'd go to screenings and then we'd be told no notes, and you'd be like, I'm secretly taking notes. I, right. I, I, just in case, I'm just going to write them down. I just have to write them down. And then yeah. if we can't do it, we can't do it. But if somebody magically, you know, would allow uh, a final polish, then I'm going to write my note. Yeah. Well, sometimes they'd be like, oh, we can do that. And then that's like with little kids when you like give in to a tantrum and then you're like, oh, then I can always do it and yeah. see what happens. Well, that's one of the great blessings of our production guru, Janelle Momery, which is that yes. she has a, an unnatural um, amount of patience for that kind of um, begging and pleading and tantrum throwing. All of us on this call are, uh, you know, really like to keep working. We're, um, you know, I mean, it's overused to say the pit bull who won't let a thing out of their mouth but that's you know that's apt we just can't won't let go and i think instead and of having being, notes too late that we should have had earlier you yeah know, that's yeah that's right right it's embarrassing but you do but you write it and you say it and and what janelle does so well is give us the room to say our our thing that we should have said earlier or that that we just thought of now or that we you know really 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 pretty please want and and then she says so often let me see what i can do which is, you know, which is magic <laughs> words that are not, um, you don't hear that from producers who are, who are operating from a place of fear. She's, she's the bravest of us all and will go down fighting on, on so many different fronts. Most of them we don't even see, uh, but we all, those of us, uh, talking to each other now get to live in this blessed universe where you know we we just get to keep asking for things and 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 more than half the time we we get it yeah well that and janelle and annalise too i think they did exactly that because we had the craziest lists of stuff and i in a million years didn't think we were going to get around to all of it but near the end of the near the end of production there was eventually at one point they said well we're We've done all your notes, and I was like, "My gosh, I couldn't believe we'd gone through them all." We somehow, <laughs> they somehow managed to get them all done, which is awesome. Yeah, was incredible. that CB? Was CBD the term we C used? CBB could be better. CBD. It was a, Something else. It, what is it? It could C be better. CBB could be, could better. be better. And yeah. that was a that was a list that must have been a hundred pages long. Yeah. And yeah. at the end, we'd call it, and I said, "This is never going to get done," but. 
we somehow we got most of them, if not all of them. Yep. So it was great. Yeah, we left a few in there. For fun. <laughs> Lauren, you were always really positive about that. I mean, you know, it's just an incredible group of people. You know, we're really lucky. This is. You know, this is our first movie. Uh, uh, not not Rubens, but the rest of us. Or maybe Bernard, you've done movies too. But I, Nora and I, at least speaking for ourselves, our first movie. But we've had so many of us have worked together for so long. You know, this is that's what's nice. I think about the having a TV show to, that goes a decade. I mean, my God, the you know the amount of trust and faith we have in each other is is earned. I think it's sort of natural. We found each other, and we have a pretty good um, working relationship that partly is just chemical, but it's also we We've got to see it in action all these years and and know each other's strengths and weaknesses and that you know applies to our um, coordinators and producers and APs and everybody who is touching this thing you know one great thing was just taking the the TV crew and and bringing them over and knowing that we were continuing our relationship I you know I feel so lucky that we got to make this thing uh, you know in our shop you know with with each other and and it wasn't this foreign experience it was basically just uh, like the sort of dream version of the show yeah that would have been crazy if we had to have worked with new people Ugh. <laughs> but Ruben was new and he's great. Well, except for Ruben. Maybe it's not so bad. <laughs> exactly. I'm okay. Ruben's a never let him go type of uh, uh, new right. person. So he's someday trapped. he'll he'll be exactly he'll be one of the ones who say, "Oh, you trapped me." I like it. And he's in Lauren's house now. He's hopefully. Please. Not the best time for going on rides. Please, no, it's too dangerous. Dad, you're not going to make it in time. But the track goes right past the fuse. I'm going to grab it when I go by. No, I'm going to make it. I'm starting to get good at this. Oh, oh boy. Oh. oh, my God. Come on, Mole. Don't be so slow. Still faster than you, Dad, though. No offense. Yeah, but there's a wicked turn coming up. There it is. Oh, Louise, be careful. Don't get decapitated and then burned up. I love. Whoa. Dad, you look like you're about to climb right in front of me. Nope, I'm gonna leap across really quickly. Oh, oh God, not that quickly. Get off the track! Uh, oh. oh, it's getting close to the animals. Okay, got it. If you miss, we won't have a second chance. I know. Very helpful info, thank you. You might have been right about you know, being faster. I mean, oh, just a lot of babes. This place is so. This was a sequence that didn't change much from the very first draft of it no. this the end end of the movie also another secret hidden location in a way yeah. that's right that's right the space between the space another liminal that's space right. that's right yeah. that's right and also the the struts echoing the um the pilings on the pier i never noticed all that right. before how it's all yeah. these sort of these spindly little supports it's i don't know there's a metaphor there somewhere i'm not going to try for it now though I'm not an idiot this is like all bernard <laughs> right this was all Bernard. Like, we just wrote, like, she reaches for it and it's tough and she gets it or something, you know? But he <laughs> added this whole <laughs> this whole other layer of her, like, falling off and then having to go through the whole cart. And it's like this spot. And also, I was going to say earlier, the spot where Grover is lighting this the fuse. Like, just, like, there wasn't much on paper. And then this whole amazing physical gag came out of it from Bernard. That's great. We like when writers do that sometimes. <laughs> we used to get, like, on other movies, it would be like, and they opened the door and saw the most fantastic room they'd ever seen, and then they just moved into <laughs> <laughs> This and that and the other thing. Huh? Off you go. <laughs> Good luck, artists. <laughs> no, but that's, it can be great, too, because, you know, everybody loves a challenge. Yeah. That's a nice shot. Yeah. Yeah. 
Aw, they're singing. Ooh, uh, Teddy, can I uh, borrow your phone real quick? Uh, yeah, sure. <gasps> Are you ordering takeout? Can we get traditional Thai street food from that new place? No, I'm not ordering takeout, sorry. Oh, boo. Yeah, a lot of people think a robbery is kind of the coolest division, you know? Where the cool cops work. I don't know if that's true, but, uh, you know, a lot of people think it. Hello. Bye, front desk person. You were here when I came in three hours ago, weren't you? I remember your, uh, shirt. <laughs> you probably remember me too, right? This face? <laughs> You're not looking up. There you go. You remember this ugly mug, right? You have earbuds in. Did you hear anything I said? Oh, you did. Good. Anyway, this is Grover Fishoder saying good night. Hi there. First on the scene. No biggie. It's like, well, I mean, this is, you know, maybe we can, with the last few minutes we have left and you can speak to collaboration. I think we've all enjoyed each other, working with each other. Ruben, you've worked with lots of people before you met us. You know, now we have the opportunity to figure out how, you know, we're far enough along in our careers that we get to um, not worry about employment, but rather worry about work, if, if that makes sense. Worry about right. making making sure the work is valuable and is good and is how we want to, you know, finish out our, our careers. And, and uh, it's, an, it's an incredibly collaborative medium, this, and yes. more, perhaps maybe the most in the world. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, how does it feel from your end? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I love that about it. I mean, I think eh, many of us artists, we started out uh, drawing as a form of escape, you know, kind of mm -hmm. like uh, being quiet with headphones on and just <laughs> going into your own space. And then yeah. some of us that, and then we realized that it was super collaborative once we hit the uh, the industry, you know, and it, I think it was a shock. Uh, I see this like evolution for many artists, um, but then they start to slowly embrace it. And if you become... Uh, someone who leads teams like Bernard and I, um, you try to think about, you know, how there's something slightly unnatural about collaboration for, you know, people that started out wanting to escape into a drawing or a painting, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you have to kind of bring them along and kind of knit it together in a way. And that becomes a whole new interesting skill set, I would say, is like, um, is trying to get each band member to play their own beat when they've mastered their thing often kind of by themselves you know what i mean yeah um and that's that's been really interesting and, and insightful to you know to i guess it's like the psychology of an artist in a way mm -hmm. for me and uh helpful in every part of my life <laughs> yeah how's that such a good answer bernard i have to answer that now yeah you gotta follow that <laughs> I was just going to talk about Tammy and Jocelyn here. We never got to add them walking behind them. Uh. They're about to appear here. I, I really wanted to have them. And then Jenny Slate recorded some really funny dialogue of them walking up because I thought we were going to do that eventually. We didn't get mm. quite get around to it. See, my answer, there they are. Yeah. Maybe we'll leak it. But. Now my answer, my answer is nothing like Rubens. <laughs> yeah, but we can watch Zeke's animation, and that answers uh, everything because that's from Bernard. Right. Yeah. Right. His, his, he lets his pencil do his talking. <laughs> and I remember there was a note where it was kind of good, and I think Nora was like, "Maybe he's a little good at parkour." <laughs> Just right, something like that. And we're like, "Right, we gotta, we gotta make good. him worse at parkour." Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's one of my favorite funny uh, physical pieces of comedy in the movie. Yes, him trying to roll up from a lying yeah. down onto his feet. Yes, yeah. I agree. 
I agree. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. You think because you like save the war for something, you're all brave now? Yeah. On three. One, two, three. <gasps> Your hat fell off. Hmm? Oh, yeah. Collaboration wise, uh, it does make it feel like much safer to do uh, more things, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, as someone who's just. Uh, if I even think about having to do it with like a whole new set of people, it's terrifying. But with it feels like a warm bath of being able to just like totally have fun with it and not like and know that there's like a huge safety net that's like making it good. Um, yeah. And also, there's a Bernard unicycle story that I want to tell. No, not really, but. <laughs> It made me think that maybe as a young man he wanted to turn in inward sometimes as well. But Bernard, maybe you'll That's, draw it for one of the extras on a TV. I think yeah, it'll be a, it'll be an Easter egg, the unicycle story. <laughs> yeah, mm. yeah, I I agree with all of you. I think um, yeah, Nora, that's a nice capper to to point out that. Uh, collaboration allows for risk taking creative risk taking perhaps more than than the solo artist can do and and because it's too terrifying to do by yourself when you're when you're out there all alone i don't know who, who i'm thinking of a novelist or a you know s somebody who really just has, has to stand alone with their work and and i think this is uh you know an unsung aspect of collaboration, which is that, yeah, you, you're you're going to throw out an idea that is the crazy one, that is the nutso one, because you don't feel nervous that it will go forward unchecked. You know your collaborators will either, you know, love it or hate it or something in between, but they'll respond and it'll evolve. And but but you've thrown it out there. And so in a way, by definition, you got at the new level of weird idea, um, you know, without even taking drugs or, or having a traumatic experience that you're drawing upon. You just threw out a weird idea because you were, you know, either in a room or on a Zoom with uh, people you trusted. And that's, I think that's nice. All right. That's a wrap. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining and, and um, spending this time. It's nice.
Uh, 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 uh,